Welcome, my name is Kareem Kanji and this is episode 51. Today I welcome the bassist and a member of one of Canada's favorite bands, the Bare Naked Ladies, Jim Cregan. Enjoy this episode. Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. There, yeah. yeah. All right, y'all. We got an interview coming at you right here. Want to listen right. up? If you had your bass, it'd be here. <laughs> Otherwise, they let the music play. Um, Shit is going down in the studio. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> I, I watched one of the. Uh, there was a video by. I guess a fan of yours, Get Naked or Get Bare Naked or something. Oh, Bare Naked in America, maybe? It was. And, and you guys did a game show. There was a game show going on. The guy was interviewing you and the four oh. of you guys. And you guys would, you know, pop quiz. And then he'd play songs. And you guys had to guess what the name of the song. Oh, could, yeah. It could have been anything. Yeah. Any, you know, it happens from time to time. You were very quiet. Yeah. Go, okay, this will be... This well, because I'm, I'm horrible with trivia. Like... I'm in a band that has like any actor's name at their you know at their brain fingertips. Yeah. But I, I just don't roll like that. I just like so it's like uh, <laughs> don't, don't even don't even worry about me. I'm over here doing. I'll my, serve the coffee and yeah, the drinks. Yeah, bass player over here, bass player. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to be off to the side, mm. right? That's right. Unintimidating. Yeah. Um, Okay, sounds sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, about here. You can't Is even this hear. good? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll there. take your word for it. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Um, let's start off with talking about the hip. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Is yeah. that good? Yeah. They it's seem good. to be a band that um, that everyone relates to at some sort of level, mm-hmm. um, and I guess we're at the age where we've we've always heard them. On mm-hmm. the radio, yeah, um, and I know you were recently on Q, and you got yeah. asked, and they sort of started before you guys. Sure, yeah, yeah. They're um, they're kind of like when we were just starting as a band, like nineteen ninety ninety one. We started playing the universities around that time, and they'd already been doing university gigs, playing across Canada for four years or five years, and were happening. Like they had a, a like a solid following, and Gord's thing was fully, yeah. You know, he was performing and had the audience. We played a gig with them in Western and had the audience in the palm of his hand. And it was, uh, it was really, it was, it's like walking into, okay, this is, this is Canadian music right now. This is the most important thing ever right now. <laughs> and they're called the Tragically Hip. And yeah. we're like, okay, okay, so this is where we're starting. Okay. And they're already, they already had radio play at that time, do you know? Do you remember? I guess they yeah, did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, had, they they had, have, right? yeah, I remember being in, like, university. I was, like, 89 or 88, and they had um song on the radio, on the Much Music and stuff, yeah. and Gord had long hair. and That's right. Yeah, yeah those so, his, his long hair days. What do, what do they mean? Do they mean anything to Bare Naked Ladies? Like, as, 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 a, as a group, what do they mean to you guys as a group? Well, I think uh, creatively they, you know, Gord... And the band really pushed the boundaries of their art. Like, you know, in a pop song, you know, live, Gord would just 
riff on it and get these like stories play out these stories yeah stream of consciousness stories that that just took that kind of riff rock that kind of put you in a trance yeah and took it to this other whole other place and i think that really inspired us to kind of explore some not only a live thing like take things as far as we could and experiment um but also yeah it just empowered us to be ourselves as well we really? couldn't we couldn't be the hip no but we could be something that like that was reaching for you're almost the you anti-hip know. yeah you could say that right because they were like yeah. serious songs and you guys although you're like t- very talented it was almost you know um if i had a million dollars well that's that's <laughs> what we that was that's that's what we led with but you know if you listen to gordon there there was really serious songs and more you know deeper kind of emotional songs like uh, the flag or blame it on me or what was the wrap flag? your arms what around was the flag? me you know? what was the flag about it was about a abusive relationship it was about you know story about following this woman leaving an abusive relationship and sort of witnessing the abuse but then at at the end she kind of she gets out she she gets on a it's almost in my mind it's a, a train but it's not specific it's sort of she she leaves it and so that's yeah it's kind of what it's about it kind of lifts at the end i've always wondered yeah. about that song because is is it that song that has the lyric about hair shirt Mm-mm. no which one was that that's good boy that's good boy yeah okay tell me about good boy good boy uh was written by steve and and he uh he, you know i think he, it approaches, you know, identity and what what kind of identities do we take on that are put onto us by, you know, our our mentors, our parents, mm. our culture, you know, our our teachers, like what 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 uh, and 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 trying to challenge that, you know, hair shirt, obviously, you know, being like a a monk's yeah. shirt that was worn in some kind of penance or some kind of like self, you know, you know, like doing self guilt or something out of work. I, don't, I can't, I, you know, it would be this shirt that made of hair that's really prickly. Yeah. You know, and I don't like sweaters that are really like prickly. Right. So I, <laughs> no, I try and stay away from that. <laughs> but uh, anyways, it's sort of, that's the symbol of this, you know, wearing this, projection that's been put on you mm. and uh you know and yeah it's about i guess singing about it in a way is about releasing yourself from it yeah as well. yeah you're right you're right there there was there were some of those serious songs um getting getting back to, to <laughs> getting back to the hit. million dollars it's, it's not about you <laughs> <laughs> um what did, what did they mean anything to you did they influence you as, as, as an individual uh, individual musician yeah i mean i think what i really took from the hip is their ability to tr- to create that trance as a band. Yeah. You know, to create that that effect of like the driving riff rock just re- you know, looping, looping and then and then Gord um making a narrative on top of that. Mm-hmm. And uh I think I I just I was ex- exploring, you know, like what is a what is the blues like what's that trance element of the blues you know mm-hmm. it's like that it's that loop it's that loop that creates this current that puts you know the listener and the or the dancer into a a state where they can where you can start telling a story yeah you know and i think the hip had that 
the, those two elements. They had the narrative, they had the story on that's top, right. and they had the the trance. And I think for me as a musician, that's what I really gleaned from what those guys, d- yeah. you know, did together. Do you have a favorite hip song? Uh, Morning Moon is actually the one, the one I played. You guys played yeah. yeah, I mean that one. It's a later hip song. Uh, I had forgotten about that song until I saw you yeah. guys play that. I go shit! I remember that song. Yeah, there's something. There, everything is in that song. Like you have this, you know, his perspective on the uh, the reactors and the, you know, seeing how the the reactors you know watching across the lake you can see the image of him just looking at these reactors and they're down and mm-hmm. the, how the, how that there's 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 somebody's always getting something yeah. you know even though like the the, um, the injustices that go on and that sort of mm. and corruption and and then you have his own personal weighing that against his own personal situation of trying to have peace in his home you know and yeah um, then you have um, just the the beauty of the the morning moon. In a way, it's kind of like an innocent or beauty, or like uh, he's even described the morning moon as being something that they talked about as kids. You know, like mm. if you see a moon in the morning, that's a morning moon. Interesting. You know, something from his childhood, something beautiful, and weighing that against his, you know, is a, a really torn apart heart you know yeah and and external corruption and you know it's it's all weighed into one song so it was really i was i really enjoyed performing that with sarah harmer you know on yeah. cue that time because we really got to explore the tune nice you know and yeah really find out what's inside yeah. you know so so going on cue was sort of prepped to coming here today so now yeah you're like on. i like to think that they're an opener for you. There you yeah. go. It's a school. <laughs> the crim. Absolutely. <laughs> the, uh, did yeah. you did you have a chance to see them this past summer? The I hip? did, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, you... I saw them at uh, Air Canada Center. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was a real goodbye. It was a goodbye to what Gordon, guys in the hip, Paul and Gordon and, you know, Johnny, like... All those guys, what they did, you know, um, together. I think that I think that Gord is is now, you know, exploring his project, the mm-hmm. uh, Secret Path yeah. project, and yeah. I, I was fortunate to see that as well. And I think that's something that he really wants to, you know, uh, follow. You know, really wants to put everything he has into it. Yeah, and it's it's amazing, you know, with what he's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, he's putting his energy into that, and it, it's really, it's really liberating to see him go for it, something like that. And, yeah, you know, um, and also the the relationship. It, you know, the story is about that uh, boy in in the nineteen sixties, mid nineteen sixties, who ran away from a residential school, and mm-hmm. and he just he lasted like seven days on the train tracks, just trying to find his home. You know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, died of hypothermia. And what's really remarkable about this project is that Gord Downey is hooked up with um, the sisters of the boy, Charlie Wendat. Wendat? Winjack, yeah. Winjack. And and they were at the concert. I got to see him at 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 Thompson Hall. And it was incredible. It was powerful, man. It was like one of the... 
strongest things I've ever seen. Like it's it it's at it's like the missing piece to Canadians understanding who they are. You know, yeah. the the truth and rec- reconciliation thing is it was it's the essential ingredient for Canadians, I think, to really understand what this country, where it's coming from. Yeah. And, and, and like, there was like, you know, a lot of hooray for us, kind of Canadian sort of identity seeking, I would say. Especially like today, you know, in this political climate, you know, you look like, yeah, you look south and you go, we're not that. Yeah. But who are we? So then there's this sort of, it almost was, an American attempt at like sort of national identity. And I feel like until we can, you know, really face that, that uh, truth and reconciliation uh, with the residential schools and that the plight of those, that, that the, the native, like the Aboriginal languages that were lost and all that stuff. We can't, we can't just say yay for us. We have to go, Yay for Canada because we know who we are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that has to be done first before. For me, I feel like I can sort of like, I can be proud now because we're facing yeah. this thing. And it, the fact that Gord's doing that Secret Paths story is so well done. I mean, all the pieces, the music, the visuals, the story, the connection with the family. It's like, it's every, that whole performance sort of illustrated how everybody really wants this to work and really gets it yeah and so it's great man i I thought it was one of the best pieces of art i've ever seen have you had a chance to speak with him recently Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean how like how like i know how he's doing medically but like how is he i don't know uh, in his spirit or something like how how his spirit is it's almost released you know he's yeah i think because of the project yeah i think because of getting the story of of Charlie One Jack out there, mm-hmm. he's like, this is this is meaningful to me, and this is what I care about right now. Yeah, I think, I think when the, when he said goodbye to the to the hip, you know, and to the hands, that was necessary. And this is his next step that's really necessary to him. And I feel like it's it's so it's very soulful, and I feel like his spirit is like strong, like because yeah, you know, and. uh and uh, so I was, uh, it was really inspiring to chat with him. And, you know, I was talking to him a day after we did a a show for the Beverly School, which is Kevin from my band. His daughter goes there and okay. for special needs and helping him out. And um, Hayden's daughter goes there as well. And, and so Gord came and played there as well. Jeez. You know what I mean? He's on fire, right? He's got, like, yeah. he's got this energy because the belief in what he's doing is... It's solid. So, I was talking to him about the sh- the show the night before the Secret Path show that he did at Thompson Hall, and I was saying, you know, my wife and I we walked home from the concert because, you know, this weather, this rainy cold weather, was what Charlie was walking home mm. on in the, on the tracks, and we kind of just wanted to feel feel it because we were, you know. Celebrating his bravery and yeah. that night, and so we, I was talking to him about that, and he goes, "Yeah, you know, he would have died about right now. This is the time that he would have wow. just, you know, laid down on the tracks." 
And uh, we just kind of shared that moment, and it was really powerful and and almost hev- so heavy that, you know, debilitatingly heavy. And I, and I said, you know, and he acknowledged that. He goes, sometimes I just don't know, like it kind of, I get like, so weighed down by it. Mm-hmm. I forget how he said it, but I, and I said, you know, I think I think that's where the sisters, Charlie's sisters, really come into play because their their desire to really get that story out there, that private story, yeah, that that grieving and share it with the rest of Canada. Like I think they're the they're, that's where they come into play because y- you know you and the musicians and the artists got it out that got the story out there and mm-hmm. the, and now like that's when we need them because sometimes you know the worst thing of this truth and reconciliation thing is that people I think would be sort of uh, weighed down by it and just try you know to kind of like just feel so guilty that they couldn't do anything. Yeah. But I think it's like, it was like the, the, the spirit of the blues, you know, to sing about something that's deeply painful to get it out. Mm -hmm. And when you get it out, that release of it is, gets you, allows you to move on. Yeah. So I, I, I was really, you know, fortunate to be able to like chat with Gord about it and, He's really, you know, that guy gives everybody the time of day, you know? Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah. I no. re- really appreciate it. Um, you have a nickname, Grandpa. Grandma. Oh, ah. You. I do. Yeah. So you have, okay, so so, so tell the story about Grandpa That's Grandma. an old nickname. Yeah. It's not an used old, anymore? old, old nick- Well, I used to be really grumpy. You know what I mean? I was 20 <laughs> years old. I was in a, in a band in a... Shitty van going across Canada, and I didn't want to be woken up. <laughs> and so my tour manager nickname, nicknaming, you sound like my ten like year old. Yeah, 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 yeah. He nicknamed me Grandpa. Come okay. on, come on, Grandpa. Yeah, I'm not going go on on sound check. You know, three a. I sleep in the three p.m. Wake up. You know, and uh, so then my bass. Got the nickname Grandma because of my grumpiness. <laughs> it's, that's stuck. She's that's, still Grandma. She's still Grandma? Yeah, it's a bass I've had since I was 17. And this is that. your double bass? It's my double bass. Nice, okay. man. Double bass. A lot of people don't understand. They just like, call it a bass, right? Bass or ch- sometimes they call it a cello. A cello. Cello's yeah. smaller? Yeah, it's the yeah? The, ch- the, gra- the bass is like the grandpa. Bass is like the grandpa. Of the family. The double bass. <laughs> Cello's like... You know, the uncle or the the mom or the, the dad. But the bass is the grandpa. The viola is the aunt, maybe. I don't know. What, no, that's the mom. Viola's the mom. The mom. And then what's the violin? What's the difference it's between like the viola the, and the, the violin? Uh, the heroine. The heroine, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so that, those are your nicknames. Um, so you said you've had your double bass since you were 17. Yeah, um, but I, I mean, that's when I, that's the bass, but I've been playing since I was a lot younger. How old were you? I was in grade four when I started playing cello and then went right into bass in grade five. So like a little, a little, a little bass, now a little was double that, bass. Was that, you, you wanted to play music or was this like something at school, you you picked an instrument? And well, I really wanted to, it was something I, I had to try out for. Like they played one note on the piano. Yeah. 
I was in a room with the music teacher and he said, played one note and then he played another note and he said, is that second note higher or lower than the first? And I was like, higher? <laughs> like, I didn't know. That was the beginning of your musical I, career. It was a guess. And I yeah. think I maybe I got it right. Okay. Like, I was just like, is this going to decide if what I can... That? Playing instrument. Well, anyways, I I got I got maybe I didn't get it right. Maybe I did. I did. I don't know. But I really just wanted to be like my older brother, who was a bass player. He was a tall guy like me. So okay. I just wanted to kind of really be like my older brother, and he was two years older than me playing the bass. And I was like, that's that's cool. Like, there's only one bass in the school. I get to be the one guy. You know what I mean? It was like a. I like the idea of being a bass player before I actually knew what it did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this this is Andy. You're Mm-mm. no, okay. So Andy's more... my younger brother. Andy's my, your baby brother. My... Yeah, my so older Andy brother. Andy wanted to be like you. You wanted to be like. I don't know if Andy wanted to be like no. me. No, he he, he went... wanted to not be like he you. Car- yeah, he carved his own path. Yeah, but we were both played music, and that's what's great about. Okay. And that's we still play music together and make yeah. records and stuff. Neat, neat. Yeah. Um, so you're in grade four and grade five. You start playing. Yeah. Uh, in the, a school music program. School music program. Where did you go to school? Uh, Charlottetown Public School. Just out there in I was gonna say Scarborough. Yeah. In Scarborough. In Scarborough. Yeah. It was okay. like all the names of the streets are after Fathers of Confederation. Ah, uh, okay, like okay. Langvin and Charles Tupper. Ah. Charlottetown Public School. Joseph Howe was the senior and, public school. And I think you told me once that your parents still live out there? Mm-hmm. In the same home, same. Yeah, neighbor? I go out there twice or almost three times a week. Okay, because I'm my mom's. She's uh, her short term memory is going. Oh, okay. So I have a pre Alzheimer's. Ah. And uh, so uh, my job of the three brothers, yeah, is to is nutrition and and in an activity. Okay. So I got her hooked up with some like, it's called. Zumba Gold. <laughs> Zumba Gold. That sounds like an exercise. It, yeah, okay. it's like a dance. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like all different kinds of music. There's like salsa kind of thing, but you, basically it's just somebody standing in front of um, the, everybody else, and uh, you imitate her. Okay. Doing the the moves. All right. And they're pretty saucy. It's pretty spicy. <laughs> but I, I'm to get my mom there. I said, Yeah, I'll do the class with you, and okay, they were so good with class. it. So I do the class. I do. Like there's my favorite move is this like Michael Jackson th- kind of <laughs> snapping thing and it's so much fun man it's just me and the senior citizens <laughs> you and the you and yeah. the grandmas and grandpas I'm the junior citizen You're the ju- <laughs> yeah and it's it's so much fun man it's are you like, grumpy uh, like them now still or listen man it's a joyous occasion there's the grump the grumps are not they don't show up they're at home they're <laughs> yeah no it's 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 like it's good times, and there's a re- it's a real equalizer too, yeah. right? Everybody just does what they can, you know. Now your mom do your moves as was a work. school teacher. Yeah, yeah. So Got I have a story there on your computer. I, I do. So I have a. I have a. She, yeah, she she taught in um, the Sioux Sioux Saint Marie, and uh, she was a phys ed teacher. Oh no way! Yeah, so she she also taught out out east, uh, like Kentville. And uh, she was like gym teacher, really into intramurals. Like would have oh, been wow. one of those awesome teachers that you'd have, and you know, gave everybody a chance. You know. So one of her. So 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 what I sometimes do is I'll I'll, I'll go on Facebook and I'll say, "Hey, so and so is coming on my podcast. If you have yeah. any questions, let me know." So a lady 
who I've never met in my life. Okay. Named Irene Tilston. This okay. is what she said. I'd like to ask about his mom, a really super person, as we were on the same school staff in Scarborough. Wow. We would talk about our sons and their involvement in music and laugh about the choice of band names. <sighs> Bare Naked Ladies, of course, went on to be famous. So actually, I know her son. Really? Uh, Greg Tilston, who was in a... Tilston. He's been in a, he's been in a, in a few bands. Um, nothing that went huge. One was called The Plastic Dolls. Um, oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, I think they were out of Whitby, maybe. Yeah, okay. Um, so anyways, so she wanted to... Uh, uh, she wanted to ask about your mom, and so I'll, I'll make yeah. sure I'll message her and say that we've talked about. Yeah, that. yeah, no. Um, my mom taught piano lessons to all the kids in the neighborhood. You know, she, uh, you know, so I think that's how I listened to music for the first half of my life was through like all the kids banging out, you know, different Bach pieces or, mm-hmm. and. Um, were you one of the cool kids at in, in in high school? Like you were in cool a cool kid? No, <laughs> no, not the cool. you and Andy. No, we. You know what? You we had were, you had. We a were beat. into our. We were into what we were doing, man. We were yeah. like we had a little jazz band. We had like an R and B band. We did like like these were the the, the, the high yeah. school jazz band that sort of thing. We played or? in. Well, we had our own band. Like okay, that we experimented with stuff. So we started like in grade ten. I did like. Elvis, and then we did the Stray Cats and Great Eleven. I remember those guys. Blues Brothers stuff, and then we got into like Weather Report and more like fusion stuff, and then Paul Simon like um, um, Rhythm of the Saints and Call Me Al and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. We were really into the uh, Graceland record. That was a great record. Yeah, that and So by Peter Gabriel came out like, I think, yeah. like the same year. Yeah, so and those we, two were amazing albums. Yeah, we were like. We were doing all that, and then we had variety shows too. So we were the pit band at our variety yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. Yeah, and so we would like get ex- we'd back up a modern dance thing. You know, we were composing s- stuff, and so it was really, you know, it was, it was a it was a good deal. Like it was a public school where we like were had support to kind of really experiment, and you know, we do like lunchtime performances and stuff. Nice. And that you know, my friends and I—that's that's how we hung out. We just just played music, playing music, and nice. Yeah. Were you one of those kids that you took over your parents' garage or basement? You know what? My parents were so generous; they let us take over their living room. Did you play yeah, here? Yeah, we wasn't a the 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 basement didn't work. It were it was at the beginning we played in the base basement, but then we just went up to the living room where it was warmer. <laughs> you know, there was a nice shag rug. <laughs> Not shag, but kind of thick, 70s, yeah. 80s vibe. And, yeah. So a lot of my recordings would have, like, my mom in the background, like, peeling carrots or something. Cause yeah. Right next to the kitchen. Okay. So it's like, what's that sound? <laughs> you know, and as things are dying, you know, you know, dying down after our song, it would be like, sound of pots, stuff boiling. And... You and your brother, at one point in time, get a call. From from Ed and Stephen uh, to go play a gig. Well, the, yeah, I think what it, what it was was they came. They were opening for Corking the Juice Pigs um, on a cross Canada tour. They did the East Coast, and they were coming through. And f- the year before, we saw them mm-hmm. at this place called The Last Temptation in Kensington Market. Yeah, and 
Then the year after that, which would probably been 89 into 90, they asked us if we'd back them up. Because okay. Ed played in my high school band, the band that did all those like Graceland stuff. Yeah. And we did Manteca. That's when Ed joined. He was like doing the power chords on the Manteca songs. Which is so you guys went to the same high Toronto school? Toronto fusion band. <laughs> no, he, we went to the same music camp. So I knew Steve from the music camp, and I knew Ed. Man, was that the Manitoulin? I think it's up around there, yeah. 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 And that was through the school board, right, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, through the Scarborough Music Camp. So Scarborough School Board. I remember my... Itinerant uh, music teachers put this camp on, and they'd go for a week. There's two sessions, one week, like a two one-week sessions at the end of the year. And, man, it was like... It's, it doesn't happen anymore. No. But But it was a place where... Kind of the geeks and the music geeks and the even gay culture could be like really yeah like was the cool thing you know you spend all your year and it's like one thing is cool but then you go there and like Depeche Mode like you know Howard Jones wow um, you know New Order um, all these all these like English bands were the thing you know you weren't yeah. just you weren't it wasn't like stairway to heaven closing the dance anymore it was like almost a dance every night it was like <laughs> it was awesome man you know a lot of pain and having crushes and <laughs> all that but My, anyways amidst that I, yeah ed came at the end of the and last year i went and he met my brother okay and they kind of hooked up that was kind of the link and then ed was playing with steve yeah and then so ed kind of asked Andy and I to come and play. So I remember my sister going to that camp when she really? was yeah. Wow, I didn't know that connection. Yeah, so she went there. Um and it's funny, there's a picture of her um with these huge massive glasses and a and a double bass. Um, did I play with her? No, but there so there's some I'll get to that. You you did do something with her. So I'm, 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 I'm going to get to. I'm going to get oh to. Oh God! That. The anticipation is <laughs> killing me. But I remember her telling me, and, and I can't remember if it was, if it was a story about her cool counselors, or if, or if it was, the guys from the bare naked ladies were there. But what she told me was, the story I remember, was you guys would ask the the kids, just name, say something, and we're going to make a song. Oh yeah. Out out of that. Cool. Um. So I remember her telling me that story. Maybe that's when we. Maybe it was. When we visited the camp as a band after. Maybe. Yeah, that would have made sense. Maybe, yeah. maybe. So, so she's she, probably younger than me. So, okay, so, so, old man. so I'll get, she is younger than you. Yeah. <laughs> and she lives literally like a five minute walk uh, from here. Let's so, just say hi. If you want, if you're going to, if you're going to hang out, we'll, we'll literally, we, if, yeah. if you want to hang out, because after you, I'm recording a special Remembrance Day episode with a, uh, with a sergeant. Who's gonna come by? No here. way! Yeah, 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 and we're gonna chat. Um, awesome, man! But I would love Gee. to be cool to knock on her door and, and you be there. But you've you've also met her at my son's come on, knock birthday party. <laughs> it depends if we're husband. Who is this tall guy? <laughs> tall, handsome, dashing fellow. But so no. here's so here's the here here's the thing, um, here's the story. So um, she met uh, your brother. So this is what she said. My sister told me many years ago, Andy, your brother, my sister, and uh, other uh, other youth sang at Kelly Fraser Collins' wedding. Oh, yeah. Well, I was to there. To Fred. 
Yeah, um, Fred Collins. Yeah. Yeah. So she's so you guys were all sang together. She was part of the choir. So or did she go to McDonald's or something? Yeah, we all went to we all okay. Went to that Johnny makes McDonald's. sense because yeah, Kathy Fraser was my awesome music teacher that supported us through um, high school. Yeah. And she was the one leading the pit band and, and okay. then kind of like. But really did you guys did you guys us, play yeah. at Mac? No, I don't remember. Well, I, I came there and kind of did like a stage band sort of okay tutorial kind of or oh, kind of helped the bass player or something like that. Cool. I was so. So there's two questions. So Kathy. So you sorry. Yeah, you must know. Um, name of the drummer. Ah, you know, yes. The drummer guy, right? He's a drummer now. Yeah, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, we'll get back to. It. I'll remember. Yeah. Kathy is Kathy. To, to this day remains Fiza's my sister's name Fiza yeah. her, her favorite teacher. Um, so a couple of questions. Mark McLean is the drummer's name. Who used to date Fiza? No way! <laughs> high five, man! Why we, are you high fiving? Well, I just feel like we got completed the loop. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay, so Kathy Fraser is a teacher, awesome teacher, made people realize that a life of music is a life of love. And appreciation. Yeah. Was your teacher? I have no clue. I, I, no. I was, was so I could never play. Teacher. I could never, what? my sister's teacher. I could never play music. I could sing in the shower. Um, I could, That's I could, he, I could hear a, a song that used to play on CFTR. I know the name of the song and or the artist. Yeah. Um, I can't name any of the new That's stuff. Good, man. That's good, man. That's um, good. That's music. I could have worked at Sam the That's Record musicalness. Man. That's, yeah. <laughs> but that's it. Um, do you have a favorite teacher? I, I know you. Well, you've it's just Kathy saying, Fraser. It would yeah. be for sure. Interesting. Yeah, it's Kathy Fraser, Fraser Collins now. So yeah, I, she's she was incredible. Like she like she invited me to play with her Scottish country dance band. Like, no way. Yeah, so we kind of do these gigs around Toronto with their band leader's name was Bobby Brown. It was Bobby Brown in the Scottish accent. Booby Brune. <laughs> and uh, people would come thinking it's Bobby Brown, like Whitney Houston's. Uh, oh yeah, no ex-husband. kidding. <laughs> no kidding. And um, yeah, man, you'd play those gigs, and they put the those. That band was so great. Like the arrangements were so good. You'd leave the gig, your mind would be cycling the kind of the changes in your mind. It was like immersion and and it was the first place I really learned how to really groove. Like it's when the like it's when everything just sort of is buoyant. It's like you're floating and everybody's hitting it together Mm -hmm. and that's it was incredible because it's dance music you know so i took that and went okay so there's a thing to achieve here you know yeah it's when everything just starts bobbing up and down effortlessly nice yeah so that was that that was that was one of the biggest things i learned was when she just bobby brown had confidence that i could come in on the band and play you know Royal York was my first gig. I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> like, you know, Royal York, whatever. But yeah. it was, it was, it was major. You know, it was a real musicians' union gig and all that. And Neat. Yeah. And how old were you? It's probably like 17 or 18. So just finishing high school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, last year maybe. Last year. So when when you guys started opening, so when when you guys uh, I guess joined, whether it was like sort of an official thing or just backing them up, uh, the bare naked ladies, um, 
was that high school? Was that university? When was that? Uh, that was mm, that was the first year university. First year university for me. For you, okay. So yeah, so I was staying down. I was standing just up around St. Clair and Oakwood, and um, you're going to U of T. Going to U of T first year for bass performance, and mm-hmm. I was on the track team and stuff. So actually, there's some there's a lot of conflicts I had at that time because. Uh, uh, you know, I was in the track team, I was in the bass performance at, at U of T, Faculty of Music, and I was in the band. And a couple of jokers want you to play some... Yeah, well, I would get gigs for the guys, like, to play, like, I don't know how this worked out, but the my I was a scout, you know, Boy Scouts yeah, and yeah. Cubs and stuff. They asked me to, if my band could play at their father and son banquet. <laughs> 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 so it's like the Cubs... Cub Scout father and son banquet, and I was like, "Okay, guys, we're getting some dough, two hundred bucks, you know, to play the show." And they're like, "Okay, great, we need the dough, you know, we're trying to get a recording together, probably the yellow tape. We were trying to get money to pay for studio time." And then I had a track meet that I couldn't not go to, so they went and digged the gig for me, and and (laughs) and without me, without you. And so I was like, "Yeah, we're here." And if Jim, yeah, couldn't be here, but yeah, we're here to play, you know, your father and son banquet. And it was like, apparently it was like gig from hell. Like, really, it was really bad. Like, <laughs> cubs spazzing out all over the place, total chaos. And they're sitting here playing music. And well, I remember they said, like, there's one kid's going, pointing at Steve, going, You got a boner! You got a boner! And it's like, Jim is going to fucking die. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. So you're not in charge anymore of booking gigs? Well, yeah, is that well, your last I, yeah, I lost my credibility pretty early on. <laughs> like, what are they going to pay you even? Like, with Boy Scout cookies or... I'm sure, yeah. I mean, those <laughs> like are dues. That's, that's worth their weight in gold, you know. <laughs> that's Girl Scout cookies. I don't know if the Boy that's Scouts boy, ever got into the cookie Boy Scouts business. got the... We got the apples... Yeah, there's apples. There apples. was uh, yeah. Apple day. apples. Hey, man, you know, you I'm, know I am sales. a I am a Cub Scout leader. Wow! Yeah, right now, right now. Holy cow! I congratulations! Our meetings Mondays. Nice man. Yeah. Do you guys play murder ball? Uh, your, at your we do. Your meetings. They love playing that. <laughs> they love playing that. Yeah. Awesome. And that's the go-to game. <laughs> yeah, go-to game. Okay, murder ball. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the balls low. <laughs> it never stays low. But yeah. Yeah. So I, I just had my buddy. Who's behind here? He's he's a um, he's hey buddy. He's not a sergeant. What is he? He's a oh, captain or something. He's waiting to. to so talk. he's not waiting for me, but his "quote unquote" boss is coming. So I'm inv- interviewing him. He's a sergeant. His boss is probably a colonel. Something like that. That's major. Yeah. Man. But he was there yesterday in all uniform, bought a bunch of stuff, and talked to the kids about Remembrance Day. Oh wow! And uh, and awesome. different things. But yeah, yeah. I. I they were asked, "Have you killed anybody?" Oh, geez, yeah. um, so you know, you know how to use a gas. They're telling him how to use a gas mask. He must have known that was coming. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is his third year, so I keep yeah, I keep yeah. on bringing him back. Oh yeah, that's great. You nice. know, for the kids, so so nice. that's that's really cool. Um, how do you talk to your son about you dropping out of university? Does that ever come up at all? Oh, I, I kind of I don't know maybe or it hasn't it, come it, up yet. It, it's come up, yeah. It's yeah. Like I well, I kind of say, well, your mom is the one. Who is the most educated among us? Yeah, um, you know, 
I lasted two years, and then rock and roll <laughs> took me away from my studies. And Nanny and Grampy want me to go back and yeah. finish my degree, but I, I really, that might be difficult for me right now. <laughs> I have a career as a professional musician. Does your son or daughter ever come back to you with, with like, I know your daughter loves horseback riding. Yeah. 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 So does she ever say, you know, Dad, I want to do horseback riding. I want to quit school now. You know what, man? I'm not, not quite there. I, don't, I, th- I think it will come up. <laughs> I think the fact later, that right? I lasted two years at university. I was supposed to take a, you know, an arts and science course. I, I, I just kind of looked at the size of the class at U of T, and I went, maybe some other time. <laughs> maybe. I, just, I just walked away. I was like, I'll, I'll do the you know, music stuff. But, and I was on the track team as well. Yeah. That was a big deal. What were you like? What was your specialty in track? Eight hundred meters. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so that was it. Was I was crazy busy. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and with bare naked ladies, they were just a thing. They were like, there was one of the things I did. You, but like in, like in in the priority, where was it? Because you guys was, are playing. I Boy was Scouts. a mess. I was a mess, man. <laughs> I was just like, what? What did I miss? What? What? You calling me? What didn't I, what didn't I do? Like I was out of my mind. And they used to have a name for me. I don't know if you can swear on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You You already have. They used to call me fucking Cregan. No, sorry. Fucking Jim. That's right. (laughs) Fucking Jim. Because I'd be late all the time. I wouldn't... I wouldn't do, like... I wouldn't... Like, I I, I would just... Yeah, get them to do my my Cub Scout father and son banquet and not show up. Like, I was... Oh, I didn't have a good, reliable... Like, I wasn't very reliable because I was doing everything. Yeah. You know? What comes yeah. first, the the yellow cassette, which I think everyone in Canada has or had at one point, because yeah. I had it. I remember distinctly playing it in a van, yeah. um, helping to load up kids for our camp. But um, nice. what came first, though, the yellow cassette or the CFNY oh. thing? Well, there was a song on CFNY. Because and... you guys won a, won a contest yeah, or something, yeah. right? Yeah, that's, Tell me about that, that paid for our first record. That, that paid for the yellow cassette. That paid for Gordon. That paid for Gordon. Yeah. So yellow cassette, yellow cassette, then CFNY. Uh, let me see here. There was we went in and we did a version of Yoko Ono. Okay. Actually, the first version they used for the contest was uh, from another recording. It was a pink tape. Oh my! So there was a pink. And tape. then we re-recorded it, mm-hmm. and put it on their their uh their sort of con- contest okay uh cfny contest sort of tape and, and uh, you're just sort of like uploading it yeah and, and that was done separately then we did the yellow tape okay i, I'm, I could be wrong yeah know? but i think that's the, the 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 sequence of things and then and then so you the, you, then you win the contest seymour stein heard that from sire records okay and it was like impressed and then he sent uh andy paley who you know produced Jonathan Richmond records and stuff mm-hmm. and played with Brian Wilson even wow come see us and then they wanted to sign us but we had the money from CFNY to make our own record which gave us a lot more leeway when we made the record deal yeah so now and probably from that we own our own masters now from like the, you've always owned they they came back to us after a certain term 
Okay. Yes, but but it's because we we had the production money to make our own record. It was yeah. awesome. We went up to the studio where Rush made. I think it was like moving pictures or something. Wow. And it was up in the Laurentians, and like we were like, I was cross country skiing across like to, to the. <laughs> actually, it was that was a, a little bit of a tender spot with the band because I'd cross country ski to the. Um, uh, to, from the chalet to the recording studio and then just be in my long underwear all day. And after a while, they just kind of went, you know what, man? You know, I can't stand your long underwear. Can you, like when the Beatles <laughs> recorded, they, they, they were like, they were going to work. They wear nice clothes, you know? And I'm like. That's fucking Jim. Yeah, fucking Jim. <laughs> you know? So I was like, all right, all right. Wears a shirt. <laughs> Wear a shirt to work. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, no, that was it. Was a, it was a good time. We were, what did that mean for the band to 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 have won that money to be able to produce Gordon? Yeah, we hired um, Michael Philip Voivoda to do it. Yeah, which was great because he was. I still find it, find that he's. I learned the most from Michael, so like, from recording. Like he really. You know, he really leaves a lot up to the moment, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and trusts it and uh, captures it on, uh, on record. Yeah. He's great to work with. It's good. In terms yeah. of, in terms of like, the, the longevity of the band or the success, let me talk about the, the financial success of the band. Uh-huh. Do you think it would have been there without you winning, without you being able to have recorded Gordon on your own terms? Um, I, I don't know. I think... Th- it's. I think what we we were ready for every opportunity that came our way because yeah. we were like committed to it. Yeah, you know, um, I had to make a decision to leave university. Yeah, you know, and, and go quick on tour track. and quick track. That was a big one. You know, quick taking double bass lessons to become a symphonic player. You know, like I got disowned for that from my teacher. <laughs> you know, but but still ultimately, to this day, well, he. He passed away, but he oh, was shoot. he was he was tough, you know. He was yeah. tough on me, and and it, he didn't like it. He didn't really didn't like it. Like said, "Don't come back," you know. Jeez. But he was just. I think it was drama. But I think, you know, I think that. Um, yeah, it was an easy. It wasn't an easy decision, basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, so all of us were committed. So when these things happened for us. They, we were ready for it. You know, yeah. we were ready to make a record. We had all, we had a record's worth of music. We, you know, we were, um, we were touring. We were like, we were selling our tape off the, off the, off the uh, stage at halfway between the, the the first set and the second set. Yeah, you know, we were like, so I think all these things that that really helped us along the way mm-hmm. they were able to be effective because we were there and ready to take advantage of it yeah and it was a good time we were young you know it's a little harder to do it get in a van and start something from scratch at 46 you know <laughs> how so. early did you guys know that th- this is this is a thing like uh, this is not just a part-time I, for the next summer or two but like this is this is who we are. We're we're rock and roll. Well, I think it was when people we didn't know started to come see us in Toronto. So we, not just your friends and family. Yeah, I've, uh, actually, the first four gigs were like 
people are coming out. Great, man. Love the show. Great. Okay. You know, fifth show. Yeah. Um, you know, I got a thing going on, man. Good luck with the show. I can't make it out tonight, you know. So eventually you start playing to the bartender, you know. Oh, shoot. Nobody else. And then eventually people start showing up and, like, they kind of hear about you. And, yeah. And then it really grows from there. You know, playing Sneaky D's and... Oh, yeah. People come in, and you've been playing for 20 minutes. You go, hey, uh, what do you guys want to hear? We could play, <laughs> you know, whatever you're, you know. Yeah. It's the show. You're you're the audience. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, we'd repeat songs for people if they hadn't heard it yet. You know, sure. they came to hear it. What was your favorite cover? Well, uh, I mean, as a band, we did uh, When Doves Cry. We still do that sometimes. Uh, Prince, you know. Yeah. Um, we did a song called McDonald's Girl early on that we kind of adapted from this guy, Dean Friedman, which was a lot of fun. We actually, it became so popular so quickly mm-hmm. from recording on CFMY. They played on CFMY uh, from the Alma Combo that we decided not to play it anymore because it was kind of starting to... It was overplayed? Well, it was starting to define us as the, not, the McDonald's Girl band. It was called McDonald's Girl. Yeah. And... So we decided that maybe it wouldn't be a great idea to And you've never played it ever since. We played it once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like when we, we did this tour we where we were like set out to play every song we've ever No way recorded. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Neat. Um let me see where I wanted to go. Your at the beginning your your brother Andy is in the band. Mm-hmm. He leaves after a couple of albums. Um like how how was that like for you as 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 has his older brother, him leaving? Was it under was it you know was it a painful thing? Was it like he just he knew you guys were good but he just wanted to do different things? How was that? How was it for me? Well, I think Andy was he was sad. Like you know he came right out of high school and went to Uruguay and for a, a Canada World Youth Exchange and and he just got right from that sort of mind. You know, challenged his perspective. Hmm. And when he came into the band, he was considering all those inequalities. Okay, you know between the people in Uruguay. He also was supposed to go to Rwanda, and his his counterpart went back during and went into the right into the genocide. And so he was. Oh wow! You know, I don't think we realize, or even he realizes the sort of trauma from that time. And yeah. I think he he lasted about five years in the band and or four and you know he gave a lot to the group the sound the energy like but I think that he really wanted to carve his own um, path and I, I think that the band there wasn't really room for in it for the band band so he went he wanted to learn how to write symphonies he wanted to wow. get deeper into music yeah and and so he did that he went he. he he quit and he joined. He went to school at McGill, okay, for orchestration and and uh, composition. And then he, all that time, him and I played together as the brothers Cregan. Mm-hmm. And and then he, uh, you know, what's kind of cool now is that whenever we do something with a symphony, he writes the symphonic parts for us. Yeah, and you know, he knows us, and he knows the symphony. And it's a great sort of uh, com- completion of of that circle, you know, of why 
he left and there's a there's know, a, and, a symphonic sound and a, on and a reason you know he's kind yeah. of coming back with yeah I left and can make you guys sound awesome <laughs> is isn't is it correct me if I'm wrong but is there a symphony and if I had a million dollars on the Gordon album no that's just a, <laughs> like a choir of friends and stuff oh okay yeah we, the Bourbon Tabernacle Choir came in to sing mm. the Waltons Bob Wiseman the Real Statics. Yeah, those guys were all in the sort of the choir at the end of the tune. Is all those our friends? They uh, didn't like our snacks much though, which was they didn't like your oh, eye opener. I really like. We just didn't know how to. We didn't know anything about nutrition. We bought like <laughs> cheesies and uh, gross stuff. We yeah. thought we were like, hey, we got snacks, and they're like, do you have any vegetables? <laughs> that sounds like something you would have. Now I would, but now then would. I, like, I was, you know, coming from the suburbs, you know, I I've, <laughs> didn't know how to shop. Um, speaking of the rheostatics, Kevin Hearn joins around that time when your brother leaves, or, or yeah. maybe there was a crossover. Yeah, he... He's like a music... I've been told, people told yeah. me he's like a musical genius. Yeah, means. sure, yeah. Yeah? Or no, I don't know. <laughs> or he's really bad, but he covered... I'll, I don't I'll know. i that. Yeah, no. <laughs> Kev's really great. Like, he's a real... Um, He's a real hardworking artist. You know, he's always writing. He's always recording. And he's, uh, you know, he's worked with Lou, Lou Reed. Yeah. And, and uh, right to his last days, you know, and recording and, and, and touring with him. And um, he worked with Gordowney on The Secret Path and Project. Like, he's really, Kev's really uh, always... You know, he's an artist as well, you know. So he's he's really he keeps his, his artistic muscles working. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good. One of one of my favorite Bare Naked Ladies songs, um, or, or the songs that you guys have played that are, are like it was amazing was Lovers in a Dangerous Time. Yeah. Yeah. Um what did Bruce Coburn think about? Uh, initially your I version? think Bruce wasn't crazy about it because it it's sort of uh, you know, he's put a lot of effort into make more modernizing his sound like yeah. he, you know he has a lot of acoustic records he's a brilliant guitar player right yeah Amazing oh yeah songwriter like you know he i'll never think of songs the same way you know mm. after hearing his music his songs and you know one day i walk is like a song i'll always bring out at a campfire you know it's like the, the tune that i start from mm. and uh but i think he wasn't crazy about it because it was an it was acoustic instruments yeah, and, and his original recording of "Lovers in a Dangerous Time" was a step into using electric instruments and and uh, and a different kind of more danceable groove. And and I think that he his initial reaction was like, "Hey, I was trying to get away from that," but he since you know we've talked about it and done yeah. gigs together, and he's like, "Yeah, I appreciate you guys doing that," you know, because <laughs> we. Um, you know, it's it was a tribute to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a great song. Um, the Stephen Page episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, we all sort of read in the news and what happened and stuff like that. Um, but what happened in terms of him leave? Like, did he leave? Says that's it. I need to go do something else. Was it? You know, was was it bad for the brand of the Bare Naked Ladies? Like, what what happened there? You know, I think the working with Steve was. Um, I think he, I think in his heart he kind of wanted to, 
don't know if he really wanted to be in the band anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I think he. Uh, I I think that it 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 was it was definitely time. Like it was twenty years. You know. Yeah. And I think that he had other things he wanted to do. I think it was it was never. And when someone wants to go, you know, it doesn't. Like it, it started. It, it was. It started to fall apart. You know, mm. I think for me, I, you know, a year before that, I I wanted to quit. Really? Yeah, I was just like, oh, I can't fucking. I I want to be on a winning team, and I felt like the the the, <clears throat> the band was crumbling. You know, and I think that I felt it, and. You know, I confronted like creatively, the album weren't good. Yeah, I trust. There was no trust in the band. You yeah. know, there was. I think we were kind of divided. You know, and mm. and I think that. You know, Steve's life definitely at that time was. You know, I think his inner struggles were like becoming very public. Mm. You know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and I so I think that that's something that was, in the band known in the band and and it was very difficult so i think when we parted ways it was like it was the right time it was not easy but i think it was the right thing to do and i mean right now we feel more creative than we've ever been you know yeah and i think he is too he's making good music and you know do you guys still talk no you know it Never, I've reached out a couple times, email, you know, no response, you know, yeah, nothing. Tried to engage him on, you know, he, I thought he did a great job doing that. Um, mental health, uh, he hosted the current on mental health for a week, and I thought it was great. I, mm -hmm. I reached out a couple times about things that weren't band related, and haven't, uh, you know, I didn't, a couple times haven't heard anything back. All right, he's on his own path, yeah. You know? So I, I want to ask you some questions from from Facebook. Mm -hmm. So some some of my friends besides Irene Tilston, Irene, your, your mom's friend, Irene. Good night. <laughs> so Heidi wants to ask you if you think there's such a thing as a Canadian sound. Um, yeah, I do. I, th I mean, it's not a specific sound. I think you can hear it in the way. People are very individual. I mean, I think that there's... When, I think when we were uh, kind of growing up, like, up as a band, every like the diversity of the bands that were in our scene was really broad. You know, like we had the Bourbon Tabernacle Choir, mm -hmm. where it's like, it was like a big R&B sound, you know. And then you had like the Real Statics, very experimental, you know, narrative... Uh, pop music like you had like very expressive you know the rios and then you had like the waltons very like very poppy and very their lyrics very uh very poetic and you know everybody had their own thing and i mm -hmm. think that that's something that um can can be identified as canadian is yeah. that people take from all the influence all the cultures yeah toronto like so filled with like 
Like I, I mean, every day I, I bike through five different, you know, concentrations of a culture through Koreatown, yeah. through like, you know, uh, Ethiopia, you know, kind of mm -hmm. neighborhood, Italian, Portuguese, and and then all the little mom pops restaurants in between, like, you know. It's, it's people now know where you live in Toronto based on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like I, I think that I think that influence is. I know, I, I, and I think there was people before us that kind of like the like the Tragic Lip or yeah. J Jane Sibri or oh, Mary yeah. Margaret O'Hara or Bruce Coburn. You know, all those guys. Really, they're all their own artists as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like. That's what I feel is the Canadian sound. I mean, is expressing sometimes where you're from, yeah, but also how you've been influenced by the the, the world that is happening, like the the influence of the world that are happening right at your doorstep, you know, right in your in your neighborhood. Neat. Yeah, I don't know. That's my. Th um. So Anise has three questions. Anise. Anise. So his first question is, are you all about the bass? I'm all about the bass. <laughs> his second one. A lot of his, people a lot of people <laughs> you know a lot of people know that it, once the conversation starts, it yeah. doesn't stop. It, so I could go on about the bass. Sure. Because I got a lot to you talk got a lot about. To talk about. His second question is have you ever has have you brought anyone a llama? A llama. Yeah, or an emu. You know what? I I have three sets of llama socks. Really? And, yeah, and they're so darn hard to wash. Like you can't just stick them in with everything else. They'll just make everything oh, else all made, hairy. They're actually made out of llama. Yeah. Oh no way. Like alpaca and llama. <laughs> and uh yeah, so you know, no, not a living creature, but um their their wool or whatever you call it. They're you know, clippings. I hear you. So now his, yeah. his serious question is... I own some socks. You own some socks. They're very warm. Almost too warm. They're like unbelievably warm. Amazing creatures. You would have worn, you would have worn that to the recording. Out, out Absolutely. In, with your, with your Great cross-country skiing. <laughs> I would have made my band mad with those socks. <laughs> Fucking Jim and yeah, socks. Yeah, <laughs> socks. Um, so so he, he finally asks... In the recent Oasis movie, Supersonic, I don't know if you saw that. But oh, I've heard about day. it. I want to see it. Yeah. Uh, so the band talks about going to Japan and being taken aback by how insanely popular they were. Um, so his question is, in the early days, or even now, um, when was it where you know maybe you played somewhere, but did you ever you know look at each other and go, holy shit, people actually think we're good? Like, was there a yeah. moment that you remember? Uh Yes, uh, Glasgow, Scotland. Really? Yeah, where we went. We went there, and you know the place was packed. Now, when uh, when place, was this, this place called the Barrel Ends? This is this would be like. I mean, we started playing small places in Glasgow as well. Yeah. You know this place called King King Tut's Wawa Hut, <laughs> and uh, we'd play. Yeah, we'd play there and rock the. We'd rock it, you know, like we'd go for it, and they'd be shouting back at us in like Scottish accents, rolling their R's, you know, 
our songs. They'd be shouting our songs back at us. And it was, it was the first time I was like, wow, like, we're known here. And not only that, but they're willing to die for us here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that is so cool. So it was like, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great place to play still. It's a nice. Great, great audience. So you know my wife, Minaz? Yes, Minaz. So she, she, has, she has a couple of questions. So the first question she has. Lay it on me. Yeah. Uh, nothing about the bass. Oh, um, that's disappointing. Yeah. So, he, so, so she says, ask him how he balances being famous with being such a down-to-earth person. Uh, <laughs> she's saying, okay. Um, well, you know what? I She's assuming two things there. Yeah, she's assuming <laughs> things, that I'm a down-to-earth person <laughs> and that I'm famous. Okay, I'm, maybe to some people know who I am. I am, uh, I I like spending my time like I I got, I got a, I just you know I'm a father too you know a husband, I'm a son you know my parents are getting old, um, there's a lot to do, <laughs> there's a lot to do with just those relationships. I'm in a band, like there's just there's a lot going on and and so for me. You know, I, I you know, my, there's my neighborhood. You know, I, I care about my, you know, like my local school. I was co-chair and stuff because I went and I looked at it. and went, God, you know, I think we can do better here. Yeah. You know, or I, I gotta, you know, I gotta get my daughter to dance class. Like everybody's got a lot going on. And yeah, I, I, for me, like I, I like to serve. Hmm. You know. Maybe that's a bass player trait. Yeah. You know, but I like to I like to help people around me. You know, my neighbors, yeah. my family. And so I find that I get the most sort of sense of like and I like to be useful. Okay. You know, and I think that relates to being a bass player as well. Um and I I enjoy that when I was like volunteering at our local school that the kids would know me as uh, it's Jim, you know, not like, hey, there's that butter naked ladies guy or, you know, that's Finn's dad, you know, or yeah. like uh, because when I'm at home, I'm, I'm I, I think I'm a I'm very influenced by my environment. So when I'm in the band, I'm in the band and I'm rocking, connecting with the audience, recording, connecting with the songs when I'm at home. I'm connecting with my home. I'm connecting with my um, neighborhood. You know, uh, so I think ultimately I just like to, I like to uh, engage my neighborhood, but I also like to, I like to do my own thing too. Like, like I like to learn how to play, you know, I like to work through changes, Hmm. you know, and jazz changes, you know, like there's personal things that I like to do. So I think, the the artist, um, you know, Jim White, his guy was on Wakabop Records. He's amazing songwriter. Totally okay. recommend yeah. his stuff. Kind of like Southern Baptist slash trance kind of. How do you uh, mix those two? Yeah, it's cool. You should see. Anyways, he said, I was saying, talking about being in a band. He goes, oh, you know what? I was talking about how st- struggling on the road and stuff I was tough. And, you know, maybe to to speak to the being popular musician or something mm-hmm. and I not really know how to piece it all together. And he goes, man, you're talking about togetherness and separateness, mm-hmm. you know? 
there's a time for both. You know, there's a time to be in the band, engaging everybody, engaging the fans and stuff. And there's a time to be on your own. And it's all, life is just about balancing those things. And so I, I've really, I went, aha. <laughs> like, I don't have to re- resent the other thing. I don't have yeah. to resent being popular. Yeah. I don't have to, you know, I, I, I can, there's a time that they actually serve each other and serve each other well. Like, I can, you know, I can, I don't know, step into one and learn something from that, step into the other. Like, I can step in front of an audience. This is something just sort of an approach. Like, I can step in front of an audience and maybe I'm a little nervous, you know, and I can go, you know what? I just, like, I just worked on 60 ukuleles for my local school's music (laughs) program, and I helped those kids learn how to use them. You know, that's meaningful to me. Yeah. So I'm going to bring... I'm bringing that to this situation. Yeah. And you know what? This situation is everyone wants to have everyone wants to have fun here. Yeah. And I I don't have to overly weigh down that or 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 th- that experience of playing in front of people because I bring with me the joy of being able to help my local school or yeah. you know see the joy of those kids. That's point blank meaningful for me. So I can take that into those sort of situations where you can get carried away with the popularity or your self-image and go, wait a minute, this is me. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm bringing to this. And you know what? I bet you there's people in that audience who, like, they got their own stuff going on. Like, it's kind of a good equalizer when I feed myself, my soul, you know, by helping people in a very, you know, very... um, neighborhood kind of way yeah you know and cool. I can take it to the the other thing which can get out of hand I've, you know as it has for some people yeah it just makes it real makes it all you see people as people and you get the facade of it all I guess disappears neat and that's a long answer it's a good Minaz's answer question yeah um, she also wants to. Oh no! Another question. So she knows it. She knows about this. <laughs> but this, I was going to ask you too because of, of of the email that that Anna had sent. <clears throat> so talk talk to us about the Together Project. Oh yeah. How did it start? What's it all about? Okay, well, What's going yeah, on? Yeah, it's a good segue because, yeah. well, it started when my neighbor Kate said, "You know, um, we just uh, donated some clothes or some." Uh, Syrian refugee families that just arrived at the Super 8 Hotel in Chinatown. And, uh, you know, I think they're, I think those families are, they haven't been outside for two weeks. And I don't think they know, they don't even have shoes. They don't know where to go. I think if we could just sort of maybe offer to help, maybe we could, you know, help those guys out, kind of get used to Toronto, you know? Hmm. So they had already... Uh, established sort of a connection with uh, the settlement agency that were there and um, some people that were volunteering. Katija was there. This great woman who um, is an interpreter. And they introduced me and I, I said, like, maybe I could, like, help, like, get some soccer balls together and we could go to the local park. Just walk down the street to, like, the Grange Park and you go and and maybe just go there and play soccer, play yeah. football, you know? So I said, 
My name is Jim. I play soccer. Coming here tomorrow, one o'clock tomorrow. You know? And my parents are, are, are deaf, so I'm always used to using my hands. So that may have made, helped with the communication. <laughs> uh, eventually, they kind of laughed at how slow I was to learn Arabic. But kids. Um, but anyways, so I came back the next day um, and with a bag of, of footballs and stuff. Uh, we walked down to the Grange uh, Park with like 100 people. Wow. And it was, I think it was the first time they left the Super 8 Hotel. I mean, it was cold. It was beginning of April. and sure. And, but all the families went. Mm-hmm. Like, it was this awesome parade. And I, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like, I was like, really? <laughs> anyway, so I was helping the kids were grabbing the balls, of, the ball, of, uh, uh, the ball, uh, the bag. And they were just like, yeah, I want to help out. And they were totally ready to go and excited. And we found this, this field in a, um, I, we had them all in the field, and I said, there's the playground, you know, where DJ was interpreting, and, and there's the uh, the bathrooms are over there at the settlement agency. And Sorry, who was interpreting? Uh, this woman, Khadija, and another Khadija? woman, I forgot her name. Khadija, you know her? Khadija, what's her last name? Yeah, I uh, forget. Kaji? I think that might be it, yeah. Anyway, she's awesome. She's my... She, anyways, so... so, uh, so And they all stood there, and, they, and then one woman spoke to Khadija and she goes and Khadija goes they want to know if they can go to the playground the kids oh that no that's not her all right they want to know if they can go to the playground I was like yeah of course (laughs) and so and they just it was just like this like you know like just they just ran for it they just ran like so happy to just the little kids and the moms yeah ran to the playground and like it was the first time they'd had a chance to play and be outside of their hotel rooms in like two to three weeks mm-hmm. and then uh it was like the a lot of just the way it worked out a lot of sons and dads played soccer with us okay and, and we just set up like you know a goal and played and yeah it was so much fun man yeah i mean some of the guys the dads at the next day were like a little sore <laughs> you know like <laughs> oh man you, you guys go so for the next two, uh, three weeks, I went uh, and played soccer, and yeah. eventually whittled down to a, a, a good group of like twelve kids. Yeah, and we just went every day at one o'clock. You know? Oh wow! And um, and so the Together Project kind of came from that. Like it was like, hey, I think no, these were these guys were in the stream of uh, government sponsored refu- sponsored refugee families. Okay. So. We also were in a group in private sponsored uh, refugee families. Okay. So we we sponsor a family, and that private sponsored refugee family has like like thirty people looking out for them, working on things like employment, and helping them find a place to live, and all this stuff. But the government sponsored refugees, they get a health card, they get some health information, they get an immigration card. Some money so to get su- started. Some support along there's there. some support, and I'm thankful that they're here. Mm-hmm. You know that we're able as a country to to take them in. But you know, in the words of this one woman who was, you know, she said to me after coming back from a soccer game, she goes, "Jim, thank you so much for playing football with the boys, but we need to find a place to live." 
Oh. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it was up to them to find the place to live. And I was like, wow, you know, I don't know if I can, I know how to do that. Yeah. And, but some people, and my friend Kate did, she was like, you know what, I think we can help out here and, and uh, help find them spots. So there's like coordinating driving to places, you know, there's some people that find places in Etobicoke, Mississauga, some people in Don Mills. And they're helping them find spots, like places to live. And eventually I, I connected with a, friend, a family that I, you know, were good friends on the soccer field. We went and visited them in Don Mills, and they got a great place. Yeah. School has great services for, you know, uh, Muslim, you know, needs and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Arabic, you know, English. And so Together Project is that. It's basically like helping people new refugee families connect with communities in Toronto and Neat. maybe beyond that. So um, so what's kind of cool is they're, they've made it real. It's a, a real, you know, non-profit now. Yeah. They're, um, they're actually taking that experience and, you know, doing it for real so they can help the, you know, uh, settlement agencies connect those uh new families, you know, just like give them a, like a, a way to engage the, their new town. And, you know, um, and so they're having their opening party on, um, November 20th at mm. the, uh, artscape young place, just on Shaw and queen, just yeah. out North. And it's, uh, yeah, people come on out, man. It's going to be fun. That is the, awesome. The newcomer kitchen is is going to be cooking some of the some of the women that were at the uh, Super Eight. I think are even in that. It's like what it is is kitchen that um, they cook uh, at a like a, the senator one of the senator kitchens. Uh, that's their beginnings, and they cook for the the evening. Uh, refugee uh, women get in there and they cook, and they you can get a meal, and they take a little food home for their families from that, and they mm-hmm. make you know they. They support each other that way. It was, it's a great system. They're going to be at the fundraiser, the Together Project fundraiser. Nice. It's, it's going to be awesome, man. I think it's going to be really good. You know, there's going to be um, a uh, virtual reality thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. The name of it. It's like a... Cool. So you get to put on the... Those goggles? Those goggles. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, it's, it's like a thing called uh, Clouds awesome. Over Cedra. Okay. Yeah, it's a kind of a virtual reality thing they can check oh, neat. out. And uh, yonder is a in the Koffler Gallery. It's like a you know new immigrants to Canada just expressing different angles. Cool. Yeah, I saw it. It's great. It's a great art pro. Well, Minaz and I look forward to. Are you coming? To, we we are nice, coming. Man. Yes, yes, yes. We've been told. Yeah, I've yeah. been told. <laughs> Minaz said we're going to that together project thing. Put, yeah. it in, put it in my calendar. Yeah, it's we'll, gonna be great. Uh, we'll we'll be there. Um, let's let's wrap this up with a couple of last last things. Um, sure. Anna is still an American. That's right. That's yeah. my wife. Yeah. What's 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 going through her head? Well, I think that's why you know she's she's kind of started that together project thing because she's a new immigrant. You know, she's mm-hmm. she had to figure out how to feel like Canada is home. Yeah, you know, I kind of brought her up here, and and so I think part of it was finding community uh, through uh, public spaces. 
Yeah. And uh, so the first thing she did was start volunteering at our park, local park, and get things going, get things going in a positive way, like new playground stuff, uh, new new trees planted. Um, and through that, it, she really f- sort of found her peeps, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think that's why the Together Project really strikes a nerve and why she feels so passionately about it is that she's been there, you know, mm, to a less, a less, not going through the trauma of being in a refugee camp, maybe in Turkey yeah, yeah. or Lebanon, but she's been to a new place and gone, okay, what do I do what with do this? I do now? What yeah. does she think when she looks down south at, at the election and that whole, that whole, I'll call it a circus. Um, sure, man. What, what, My kids ask me what, what the, what the different candidates were standing for what were their policies and i was like you know what i haven't heard people talk about that for like a week yeah. it's all about the circus it's all about it's all about yeah naming and blaming and uh, what does uh-oh. she think about what's happening down there i think she's you know i think it's so divided in the u.s yeah and the, and you know trump for sure is very divisive yes yeah. that's his game you know yeah. divide and conquer and i think that he, the hate speech is just disturbing, you know, mm-hmm. like, and exclusionary, it's not helping anybody. Yeah. You know, and I think that Anna is just mortified that that could be a possibility, that that movement mm-hmm. of, you know, very exclusionary kind of, you know, policies can be enforced. You know? Yeah, it's crazy. It, you know, come on, like, no way, <laughs> no way. But hey, we'll find out tomorrow we'll f- or tonight. Tonight, what, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll find. We'll find oh, out. Man. We'll find out tonight. Um, oh boy. Well, as as we're recording this, Clinton has forty four electoral votes and Trump has thirty one. I mean, that's that's even closer than I'm comfortable with. Like thirty <laughs> one. Come on. Um, so let's wrap this up. Two last things. Right. What's your favorite bare naked lady song? Uh, hmm. There's a song called uh, You know this I'm gonna be selfish on this one. There's a song I wrote called um There's a song I wrote called Narrow Streets. Just a song about my neighborhood. Okay. That I really like. It's on yeah. the last record. Okay. Yeah, and Silver Ball. It's really... I, I'm proud of it. I'm nice. going to say that one right now. There you go. Yeah. And your favorite album? Favorite record? Maroon's a good record. Uh, I would say Snack Time, our kids' record, is one of my favorites. Okay. Yeah, it's fun, man. It's good. It's great music, too. I think it was sort of a chance for us to not disguise our, our you know, our love of, you know, New Wave or... Okay. Funk or anything, you know, yeah. like we could just go into these genres open hearted, you know. Yeah. So that's that record is full of great, some great songs. Neat. You know? do, you, do you guys hang out? On the road, yeah, we've been starting to, you know, keep in touch with, you know, we're going for dinner. You know, we've been yeah. eating dinner together, which is, I don't know, it's like not on the road, like you take, nothing's happening. We've taken for granted in the yeah. past, but we, we we make an effort to get together and have eat together. Yeah. And it changes changes the dynamic, you know, because you're, you're 
so tight. You know, you always have you have your rules on stage. You have your rules. You know, even in interviews and stuff. Yeah. And then you get to sit down at a table and you know be equals. You know. And yeah. It's good. So I have, yeah. I have a favor to ask. Sure. Huge favor. What would it take to get all of you guys like in here? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> You'd have to do something. You'd have to appeal to each guy very personally. I think you'd have to tell do me some their favorite beers or whatever, whatever yeah. it takes. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to get something so that, that's that a they could not deny. It. Yeah, nice. Listen, thank yeah. you so much for coming. But it was easy because I know, I know you. Yeah, I know that. Uh, but you're so hard to get a hold know. of. Like I have to really. Go th- I had to go through your wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a direct route. I wasn't. Cr- I was. You know, I like. I wanted to do this in the middle of the day. You know, because that's when I got time. But True. this was actually turned out to be really nice. Yeah. Recording that, seeing these people socializing in a bar, and the the bartender wasn't too um, excited about. Your choice of beer? Well, just my lack of decision making <laughs> when my choice of beer. She really did not was not impressed. And then I changed it right before, like once she, I committed. She's about to pour. Yeah. So, you know, I can deal with that. It's okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, stand up for myself. Yeah. Well, Lisa, I also want to thank you for uh, <laughs> last year around this time. You guys were in Ottawa. Oh yeah, um, came out to the playing. show. Yeah, and we just happened to be in town. My brother and I was his. It was his fortieth, I want to say, his fortieth birthday. Young and yeah, and um, and you invited us backstage to watch. Yeah, uh, that was the a symphony concert. gig, right? That was the NAC National Arts Orchestra. No, it was just you guys. Was it? No. Yeah, no, and no, then no, it was no, no, it was no. the it was the dude from the East Coast that opened for you. Oh, you're right. Shoot, man. Yeah, yeah. That's right, because we just did that before. You're right. Yeah, yeah. See, my memory. This might have been the. Gone. I don't know if it was the last show of the tour. I'm trying. I to think remember. it probably was. Yeah. Yeah, it was with um, Alan Doyle. Alan Doyle, a great That's band, was, great band. Who my sister-in-law flipped. Yeah, he's she flipped. He's a real him. deal, man. He, yeah. If you read his book, totally like. Okay. Where, I think that's where I'm from. Uh it's like it's his life is amazing like growing up on this little petty harbor this little wharf you know fishing village you know in a in a in a house his dad built with his buddies like you know <laughs> zero heat <laughs> you know <laughs> one piano in the house yeah no plumbing till he was like 10 or 12, you know, uh, playing hockey, you know, and right down by the ocean, pulling, like, they'd be pulling, you know, like, getting cod cheeks out of, like, fish coming in from the fishers, wow. fishermen. Yeah, it's, like, it's a, it's a great, great book, and it, he, because he's a natural storyteller, man. The guy yeah. loves sharing his experience. And, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Great guy. Well, Jim Cregan from Scarborough, you've made it big. Hey, man, thanks. <laughs> and thanks for I've coming arri- by, man. I've arrived. You've arrived. There you go, at the podcast. Session. Here. Thank you so much for coming, man. What do you call it? The Crims? Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. It's good to be welcomed. Welcome. Thanks, man. All right.